Hey, 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 beings. You are listening to the Self-Tivity Podcast. I am your host, Danny, your self-investment storyteller. Today's episode features a special guest who will be a valuable participant in our Being to Being Self-Tivity segments. The Being to Being segments are a fun way to connect with beings who are open-minded, enjoys thought-provoking questions, and perspective-shifting concepts. I also invite entrepreneurs and business owners who have a thought, product, or service that contributes to our self-investment journey in the areas of personal growth, mindset, well-being, entrepreneurship, and or financial empowerment. Guests will participate in our Being to Being activities bi-weekly, so be sure to follow so you don't miss out on all the fun. Let's find out who's on today and what self-tivity experience they will present to us. Are you ready? Because I am. Today, I have a very special guest on the show. I have Zadia Murphy. Zadia Murphy is a fitness trainer that has built a community that helps women fall in love with the process of building the body they want, focusing on both fitness and beauty. Zadia shares her talent as a makeup artist to beautify women and enhance their lives. And if you're a fan of the Oprah Murphy Network hit dating show, Ready to Love, Zadia is a reality TV star and known for her appearance as a cast member for the fourth season of Ready to Love. And that season could be off, but that's what it said on line. <laughs> Zadia, welcome to the show and thank you for being here. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. It's been a busy day, but we're here and oh. excited. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being here. And I know I just shared with the audience what I found online about you because we do not know each other, but I do have a lot of good things to say about my experience of watching you on the show and watching you on your Instagram. But I want to give you this opportunity to share with the listeners who you are in your own words. What are the highlights of the Zadia story? Um, well, I'm just a girl from Atlanta, Georgia. <laughs> um, I grew up in a very uh, big family that focused on health and wellness. Um, we also were required to be athletes and um, play an instrument and speak a language <laughs> during the time that we were growing up. So I fell in love with coaching people and helping people become their best selves. And that's what my life passion has been. And that's what um, my purpose and my walk is. It's just literally every time I come into a space, my desire is to improve the people, improve the space around me. And that's kind of like how I live. You know, every time I come into a room, my hope is that I am able to touch at least one person and inspire them to step outside of what they're already doing and try a few things to become the best version of them possible. So that's me. That's my focus. I'm here in Washington, D.C. now working, uh, running a personal training company. I'm also freelancing as a makeup artist. That's something that I started during the pandemic because I decided that, you know, I miss doing makeup. So I was like, let me go and just start that again. So now I do makeup in my spare time outside of running my personal training company. And uh, yeah, just like you said, you know, my mission with my personal training company is to help women fall in love with the process of building their best bodies, their best selves, to push past the mental toughness and barriers to discover the champion within. So that's me. I love it. I love it. So I just want to take this time to share why I wanted to invite you on the show. And again, as I mentioned, I don't know you, right? And I'm saying that strategically because I feel like as you had this opportunity to be on a reality TV show, you have had a lot of people who don't know you tell you who you are. And so I've been watching some of the interviews. I've watched the show and I've just kind of watched the interactions between past members and 
even witnessed what uproars there were since and around your presence on the show. And I really wanted to invite you on the show for one, to kind of share who you are in a different light. And I also wanted to commend you for standing up for yourself. And when I'm going to share this episode, I want to share it as building yourself twofold because I want to talk about your personal fitness training, but also building yourself mentally because there were a lot of things that I've noticed in interviews where you had to defend yourself in a way that I guess could be uncomfortable, but you had grace and you pretty much was, I guess, intentional about your answers in a way. But I think when I viewed it, I saw that you didn't let people tear you down, even though there were a lot of opportunities for people to tear you down. You kind of kept yourself and kept building yourself up, and which took a lot of strength because a lot of people can be turned down or defeated. And I'm not saying that you weren't defeated, and I hopefully we can kind of get into that discussion. But I would think that, you know, if some all these people are saying like, oh, you're such a bad person, and then when I look at it, I'm like, well, most bad people can't do it that way. You know, you can kind of feel a true bad person. And I think you are a growing being. When we get into conversation, I think there were opportunities where you did share your piece about what was wrong and what was right. But before we get into that conversation, I do have a game I want to play with you. And I play this game with a lot of guests that come on the show and it's called Thought ER. For those who are listening for the very first time, a Thought ER game is a session where I have seven random ideas or quotes or just a word or a question. And the idea is that the person will respond within a minute. And I've already shared with Zadia what her indicator is when she has 10 seconds left in that minute. She has to use her full minute and respond from the top of her head. So thought ER. So think about the emergency room of our thoughts. Like what do we do when we first get the thought? How do we transform that thought into something that speaks our truth? So, Zadia, are you ready? I think I'm ready. (laughs) All right. First scene. Black men are one of the main perpetrators of colorism. How do you respond? 60 seconds on the clock. I believe some Black men are the main perpetrators of colorism, specifically ones that feel the need and desire to date uh, women that are racially ambiguous or women of a lighter complexion. I'm not saying this about all men, all Black men, but I've come across a lot of Black men that have said things like, oh, you know, I usually don't date people as dark as you or darker than you, or you're the darkest that I've ever dated. That's definitely red flags. But a lot of guys want to date what is socially acceptable. And and when I say socially acceptable, I mean worldwide. And the closer you are to being a white, (laughs) being the Eurocentric beauty and what they view as beauty, then the better you are socially the better uh, social standing you have. So it's not that they are colorists, but it's that they have been nurtured in a society that promotes colorism. All right, next. Embracing vulnerability and showing strength has been how we've managed to move ahead as a society. 60 seconds on the clock, how do you respond? I would say that's definitely a new theory, yes, especially because of the introduction of therapy and the acceptance of therapy. Um, Being able to be vulnerable and transparent is a form of awakening in a form of showing up as your authentic true self. And because that has now been more acceptable in this, especially in this new generation, uh, well, the millennials and now Gen Z, then we're able to actually open up and speak our truths and um, allow people to see who we are, you know, inside as well as out. Oh, do I need to use the rest of the minute? (laughs) 
<laughs> okay, that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> we'll let that 10 seconds ride out. <laughs> all right, next. What is ready to love? 60 seconds on the clock, how do you respond? Being ready to love is more of an action than it is a saying. When we describe love, we're describing a verb, a person that's ready to be vulnerable, transparent, as we uh, stated before, ready to show up as their true authentic self and ready to accept the version of the person that is being given to them, right? Flaws and all. And ready to love past whatever it is that the person is showing that you do not like, but also embracing that, but also loving the parts of the person that you already can accept. It's uh, one of those things that a lot of people say that they are and really and truly because they have not been able to love themselves they're not ready to love other people or because they have not been able to heal themselves or continue like in a journey of healing they're not able to accept the worst of people and understand that that's something that they can heal from too all right next what is really stressful You're doing good. And I just want to share with everyone, she has no idea what I'm going to say. So this is all impromptu. And everyone ends up doing so well, but it's just so <laughs> it's so uh, funny to see how people react because everyone is really answering well. Like I, I stumble over my words all the time. So <laughs> I think you guys just are flawless. All right, next one. Sisterhood. 60 seconds on the clock. How do you respond? I'm a sister of... Four, well, three. Um, I have one, two older sisters. Oh, yeah, I'm a sister of four. I'm sorry, it's five of us. Two older sisters and two younger sisters. Um, so I'm dead smack in the middle. So I know what it is to be a younger sister. I know what it is to be an older sister. One of the things about sisterhood is you have to be willing to, one, be loyal, be patient. And the beauty of sisterhood is that you always have a friend whenever you need one. And you always have someone to share your life with. And even outside of those romantic relationships, that's sisterhood bond is one that can never be broken and one that is needed to really live a fulfilling and um, quality life. I believe that people that do not embrace women and form a sisterhood are always is living. That's a detriment to their life. All right, next. Self-esteem is a fantasy. It's a meaningless fabrication that exists only in your imagination. 60 seconds on the clock. How do you respond? That's a good one. Um, I don't think self-esteem is a fantasy. I feel like it takes a lot of time for a person to really love themselves through and through. And when you are actually working on yourself, which a lot of people say that they're taking this time to work on themselves, then in the confidence of that growth, you're building your self-esteem. And that that in itself is looking in the mirror and seeing the person that you want to be, that you're striving to be, seeing the possibilities of you getting to the place that you're striving to be and accepting the person that looks back at you, no matter how that person is in type of form. All right. What is an effective apology? 60 seconds on the clock. How do you respond? An effective apology is one where you acknowledge the hurt that you cause, one where you um, ask, you know, how can you make the situation better? And then one where you, after the person accepts your apology, one where your actions are aligned with the apology and you not repeating the cycle over and over again. So oftentimes that could be in a conversation form and sometimes it could be sent as a text, but whatever you want to do is you want to make sure that you have effectively communicated where you have gone wrong, why you feel the need to apologize, and then hope that you know the person accepts your apology all right and last one self-accountability 60 seconds on the clock how do you respond 
Um, self-accountability is recognizing the wrongs that you have done and trying to correct it. It's almost like an apology to yourself because oftentimes, you know, we're not intentionally doing things to cause hurt. But if you do cause hurt and you are brave enough to accept that yourself, right, to accept the responsibility, well, to own the responsibility of changing um, your actions and making sure that other people understand that that wasn't something that you meant to do, then you can move forward. It's knowing when you're wrong and correcting that wrong. All right, we have ended the game. All right, I'm <laughs> Cheers, cheers, cheers. Well, thank you so much for expansing and participating in my shenanigans. You did an awesome job. And I'm pretty sure as you hear some of the questions, you can pull where I may have gotten some of those uh, questions from. A lot has to do with your appearance on the show and one podcast interview that you had that stood out to me. I want to start off by getting your input on your experience on writing the love. What was the benefit and how would you rate the overall experience? So I decided to apply for the show. It actually started off as a joke. Um, <laughs> I don't really have an issue with dating. So it wasn't because I couldn't find a date. It was just because I was coming out of, well, I had just ended a relationship. Uh, well, it was more like a situationship. Mm-hmm. Not a, not to do those often, but um, it was a situation ship that had gone on uh, longer than it needed to. And by that time, I was fully ready to start dating again. And because we were coming out of a pandemic, I mean, we're still in the pandemic, but because we were coming out the quarantine and lockdown part of the pandemic, I thought it would be a cool thing to try. So when my friend sent me the flyer to apply, I didn't think I was going to go as far as I did. <laughs> I thought it was going to be the first email and that's it. But I got a response immediately. So it, it it all happened so quickly. Next thing you know, I was getting a call saying that I was on the show. At the beginning, it was definitely, I mean, at the top of filming, it was fun, like getting glammed up, showing up, meeting these new people, like everything was fresh, everything was new. And I'm always a girl for a good time. So I was just like, okay, this is going to be an amazing experience. And by that time, I had met Nye, I had met uh, Camille and um, and Mumin and some people that I was like, okay, I could probably take these people with me for uh, the rest of my lifetime. But it was around the seventh week that things kind of like flipped and the energy changed. I think people started getting desperate about like making it to the end of the show as opposed to actually completing the assignment of the show, which was to find someone that you can connect with that could move into a meaningful relationship outside of that dating space. And yeah, you know, heads start to turn and uh, people started becoming cutthroat in the space. I can remember a time during the retreat where I called Niamh because they had separated us in the house. And I called him and I was like, you know, I think it's time for me to go home. And I was just telling him how I had chosen him in the deliberation, but they wanted, they were trying to send him home. So I was like, okay, I think it might just be time for us just both to leave this space. And he was like, well, what what did they tell you? Like when they sat you down and talked to you for a long time. And I was like, oh, well, you know, they said that I can just save you in this next scene and then we'll have to talk to Tommy. He was like, well, let's just do that. But what I should have did was follow my first instinct, right? And that's one of the things that I was, I learned. 
learned from this process is to trust my gut because at that moment, it was time for me to leave. I had already completed the assignment by finding a person that I can continue this process outside of the show and the dating process outside of the show. And the energy of the whole uh, situation had changed and it became a negative space that I don't really do well in those types of spaces. So unfortunately, I didn't listen. But fortunately enough, I was able to find a person that I am still dating now that we are enjoy each other and we are able to uh, experience all types of different things in a more positive <laughs> type of um, environment. And it was a learning experience for sure. So I can say that I learned a lot. I had a good time up until a certain point. And I'm thankful for the experience because I wouldn't have found friends, a couple of friends that I'm able to leave with right now, a person that I'm enjoying. We are enjoying each other. I'm glad to hear that you guys are still going strong. Yeah. <laughs> When you mentioned positive, it wasn't a positive environment, the show. And I think its format is very interesting because, as you mentioned, it gets cutthroat near the end. Yeah. What is the cutthroat all about? Is it because you guys win money or is it because you get more time on television? Why are people really just attaching themselves to anybody in order to stay on the show longer? Do you have any idea or thoughts on that? Well, I'm not really 100% sure. Um, and I only say that because for me, my goal was to connect with someone. And I, in my mind, it's like, as you connect, you're moving forward into the process, right? So you're able to spend more time with that person in the process. But what I was gathering, certain people were some of the producers' favorites, right? And they wanted them to end the show as like, America's favorite couple or like something that people can have some type of reverence around. So clearly I was not one of those people, <laughs> but it just felt like two different types of games were being played. It felt like there were people that were there genuinely to connect with other people. And then there were people that were there just to be on TV. There were actors. So at the house was when you can see a, a clear separation between the two intentions. And um, yeah, it was, I mean, even after the season, ended, it was kind of quiet in between the ending of the filming and then the first, the premiere of the show. Everybody was kind of getting along in between that space. And then the premiere of the show, like by the fifth episode, things started to change in terms of another like strong energy force that just came in and shifted everything. And then interview season was when everybody got like super um, shark-ish. That's <laughs> interesting. head off. I find that to be interesting because I'm I'm glad that you share this because I'm trying to figure out if the Ready to Love brand underneath the Oprah Winfrey brand, if they're trying to promote drama or if they're trying to share what you said, a couple that people can reverence. And I feel like it's weird because it seems like it could be both. It could go both ways, which is probably the art and production is to you need drama because people don't always like happy, good stories like the like the conversion rates on hot topics and what is it trending news that is like division or divisive is what people like to see and so I hope that the goal is to kind of bring that in in a way where they can show the difference between the two and I think that's what they were trying to do and so they push certain narratives and so I was just interested in the narrative that they they could have been pushing for you I'm not sure um because you're only going to share you know what is true to you 
you, but do you feel like they were intentionally creating a narrative for you or do you feel like you gave them something to work with in order well, to push I, that narrative? Yeah, both are true, right? There was, like, in that space, I was authentically me, right? So if I'm good and I'm happy, I'm happy and I'm good. But if you do something to make me upset, I'm going to assert myself and defend myself, right? So I'm not going to sit there and get bullied or be pushed over by people that think that they can just say anything to you and then you don't respond. I've never been a person like that. I'm very blunt, very straightforward. I'd rather be on the happier side of things, but sometimes you have to sit and you have to address things that's what I do. I address things head on. I don't talk around subjects. Like if you say something that I don't understand, I'm going to be like, what are you saying? You know, like, what are you saying right now? Because I need to know. So both are true, right? There was a moment when everything, you know, was good and dandy and there was no action to show of me in a drama-full way, right? It was like that conversation with Tyrone. Um, there were a few things, a few edits that I saw and heard that I was like, okay, why would they do that, right? So like, for instance, during a conversation with uh, Tyrone and that, I think it was like the second or third episode, uh, we were talking about, he asked me, you know, what is something that you would change about yourself? The response that they put into that um, answer to that question was that I was clatchet, like ghetto, right? That's not something I would change about myself. I actually love that about myself. I love that I'm able to move into different spaces and be a A in the middle of the floor type of chick or very business-like, like here, this is what we're about to do. <laughs> first. You know, like, I love that about myself. I've always loved that about myself. But instead, I answered, I would change the fact that I don't give people as much grace that, I, you know, I receive from God, right? And that was something that I worked on during the quarantine part of the pandemic was really like going, digging deeper and trying to figure out why it was so hard for me to like let people make mistakes and still be able to move forward with them. Because I'm a person that like, as soon as you show me who you are, there's no room for any type of making up. I mean, unless it's like someone that I really value that relationship. But other than that, like a lot of people, I just cut them off, right? So that's something that I worked on and I'm still continuing to work on because like, that's just, you know, a growing area that I have. So I saw that and I was like, oh, okay, that's interesting. And it was a few other pieces that were like put in there where I was like, now that didn't happen. You know, like you just keep saying like, that didn't happen there or whatever. But then the part that you kind of, the eruption of the volcano where, well, the first eruption was the, <laughs> so I was at the table, was the, the table scene at the deliberation where I was personally attacked for keeping my connections close to my chest, right? So I wasn't always coming in and being very transparent about how connected I was in that space because I started seeing like what was going on. I started seeing that wasn't a safe space to talk, right? Women were going back and telling people things that you would say about them and they were making the game unfair, right? Because this was promoted as a safe space for us to have conversations and to deliberate. Um, when I learned that that wasn't the case, then, and I was then attacked for dating on a dating show, I didn't understand what was going on. And that's when I was like, okay, well, we need to talk about this. Now, how it was presented was that I started the conversation and I didn't start that conversation. My answer to Cecilia was about Phil, right? And it made it seem like it was about Cornelius, but it wasn't. So, you know, like once you start seeing those switches, you're like, oh, 
oh, okay, I see what's happening. And then it's just like on and on and on. And you're just like, yeah, that's not how that went. So it, it just made it look like I was, because I was responding. That, those were my words, right? Like, I'm not going to say, sit here and be like, I didn't say that. Those were my words. However, they were taken out of context. And the initial start of those conversations was not played to show like how the conversation really played out, right? So now it just looks like I'm asserting myself in a space and I'm speaking with no nonsense in my voice to a situation that is silly. It just makes me sound like condescending or different type of things. And I saw what people were seeing, right? So I'm not sitting here upset because people's responses, but it's just like, yeah, this is kind of unfair. Uh, you can't really always, you have to accept what, what is and then just move forward and, and do your best to continue being true to yourself. And yeah. that's what I did. That's what I ended up doing to, with this entire experience. Yeah. And I think it's important to point out that edits like that happen because it does alter the story, right? And right. then people are watching it. I think it's also important for viewers to realize that you're watching TV. Right. It's entertainment. After the third episode, I was like, oh, this is completely different from what we actually live. So at this point, right. it's like, okay, whatever happens. I was watching it with you guys. So we didn't get to see the episodes before they aired. We were seeing it with you all. So as you watch and I'm like now I know that didn't happen and I have a memory like an elephant so <laughs> that about me too <laughs> anything like we can sit down and we can have a conversation I'm like no this is what you were drinking this is what you were eating this is what you were wearing and this is what you said and that's like how I was kind of replaying it back to like me and I were watching I was like nah that's not what happened during that scene like this is what happened so it was frustrating for sure but then you have to understand especially as a participant that you know this is they need to create a TV show they need to create something that people are going to want to tune back into next Friday so somebody has to be the bad guy somebody has to be the saint, even though the saint's not really the saint and the bad guy's not really the bad guy, you know, but whatever the case may be, you just have to accept what you signed up for, which you didn't know that you signed up for it, but it is what it is at this point. Yeah, I'm glad you shared that because although we have to have the saint and the villain, I think it's important for us as viewers to invest little in having so many opinions about someone we don't really know because, I mean, the time Type of responses because I read like you know how people are responding to you and it's just it gets crazy and wow and it's like you they almost take so much of their life and put it into your world and they start to create storylines for you and who you are and maybe some of it's true right maybe some of it is not true but I think what we as a people should be doing is just being intentional about the investments we make, especially when it comes to television drama. So one last question about Ready to Love, and I kind of want to move into a space where you've built for women. And I want to use this as a segue because this is a very important part of the show that stood out to me. When you were when you were doing the game earlier and you spoke um, about sisterhood, you responded as a sister, because you are, you know, you have sisters. But I was thinking on the lines of the sisterhood as far as like, you know, between us as Black women or even just friendships, right? And I know the show wasn't created for friendships, but there was a point in the show where you created bonds with friends. And the story that I know from what I've viewed is that you were in a photo booth, you guys took a picture, you guys look good in a picture, and then you named it Brown Girl Squad. Now, when you leave it 
right there, I have no idea how it has spun into what it has spun into. Spun into is a word. But I kind of want to connect what you said about you not having grace for people when they apologize or when they made a mistake, right? And it seems like, and maybe you don't feel like you made a mistake in that name in a brown girl squad, but it felt like to other women from their perspective that it was something wrong, right? Mm-hmm. And they don't seem to have that grace for you either. Would you kind of elaborate on why you think people, your cast members responded to Brown Girl Squad the way that they did? If you would put yourself in their position, instead of thinking about it from how you saw it and what you know it to be, if you were looking from their end, how could they possibly paint something bad out of it? Well, I'm still unclear. And I say that because Brown Girl Squad was never introduced during the filming of the show, right? It was talked about during interviews, which it would be you and the person interviewing you, but it wasn't discussed amongst the cast, right? Also, during the deliberation days, which I was only a part of like five of them, four or five of them. So that would be the only time that we would see each other. All women would see each other. There was clear separation between the group of women, right? So you would have this group of women over here, this group of women over here. Like you could just tell who was migrating towards each other. Even during that time, it still wasn't, Brown Girl Squad still wasn't discussed. But you can see that certain people like certain people more. And it wasn't like tension between anyone. It was just like, oh, I prefer to speak to this person or I prefer to speak to this person. So when I'm just guessing like, uh, Some of the producers may have spoken to castmates about what they've heard about the Brown Girl Squad, introducing it to them. And then shortly after, like maybe a month after we start the premiere, we created an Instagram page because um, the intention behind Brown Girl Squad was to turn it into um, a nonprofit that would basically speak to the insecurities of darker skinned little girls, right? and how oftentimes society like tosses them or oftentimes they are falsely accused of things because of their darker skin and treated worse than others because of their darker skin. So that was the intention behind Brown Girl Squad. So yes, it was our group of friends, our friendship that we call Brown Girl Squad, but we want, we started meeting to create um, a bigger platform for it. So when people started saying it was colorism, <laughs> I was first confused because I was like, oh, clearly they don't know the definition of colorism. But then also <laughs> this wasn't created to exclude anyone, you know, for any reason. It was just like, okay, this is our friendship. We named our friendship and now we're moving this name into a bigger, onto a bigger platform to be helpful in a space that needs, a lot of kids need help, right? So personally, because I grew up in a household that had every color, every complexion of brown, every complexion of black, I didn't really feel the effects of colorism. But I know like my sister, for instance, who my older sister, who is a darker woman, right? And my aunts who are darker women and my family, who is also Panamanian, that literally uh, are treated worse because they're darker Panamanians. I know the effects of colorism, right? So when it was suggested that we move it into that space, I was down for it because I'm like, yo, this is positive. This is something that people need to hear. Um, we're on this platform. People are seeing us every Friday. I want to use whatever impact that I have to promote something positive. So I'm still unsure. <laughs> I'm just guessing 
people came into that space thinking that everyone was going to get along. In a perfect world, yes. In the real world, no. And because there were particular people that already had, that were already a buzzword or had the X marked on their back, it was like an easier way to attack them because of something that we had formed, right? And I'm talking about specifically me and Camille. Right now it's like, oh, they're already being edited as being like mean girls, which I'm still unclear about that. But now now this is something that we can use against them. So it tainted the entire name. And now that's why people can't forgive us because it's like, you know, it's not the word. I've read comments and I, I'm going to read comments. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with me, but I, I continue to do that. But they're like, it's not the name of the group. It's the actions of the people that are in the group, you know? So it's like, you can't separate whoever is in it. You can't separate the behavior from the other people in it from the actual name. And that's what um, I think a lot of people are just still stuck on is like, oh, they were shown as this, that, and the other, or they were said that they were this, that, and the other. So now the Brown Girl Squad is what they are. Yeah. Now, speaking of comments, how does that impact your life now that you are done with Ready to Love? When you read the comments, are you spending a lot of time on reading the comments? Does it affect your mood? Does it affect your self-esteem? Does it alter how you feel about yourself when you read the ones that are against you? Um. Well, first thing first, I had to five, six, maybe six. I had to start limiting the amount of comments that were going to be able to come to my page, right? Because if I go seeking it, then that's me something that I need to correct, right? But if it comes to me, then that's um, something, that's boundaries I need to put up. So I put up all the limits in the world on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all the things. But when I would go seek the comments, I had to ask myself why I was subjecting myself to this negativity, why I couldn't choose to stay in a positive space, mental space, and why I felt the need to know what people thought about me. And when I started asking myself those type of questions, that started limiting me going and actually reading comments, right? Now, the DMs that I received, <laughs> I would literally just read a DM. I would actually um, feel sad for the people because a lot of people project and a lot of people are are what they are doing exactly what they're saying that you, you're doing, right? So if I'm a bully and now you're coming and you're calling me all type of names and saying all type of things to me, then that makes you a bully too, right? So what what's the difference between you and I? Well, well, the real difference is I'm not a bully, but what's the difference between you and I in this space? But then also what type of life are you living that allow that that you feel comfortable enough to come in and do those type of things to me? And I felt sad for people. Because I was like, this is clearly something that they are internally battling and they need to, they have to learn how to deal with it themselves. And I am just now a punchy bag for them. And I'm not going to respond, but I can just say a prayer or, and I can just delete and block and keep it moving. So when I see comments now, which is very few and far between, I just have to keep that mindset. Like this is more about them and less about me. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because that's one of the things that I use to navigate through life is not taking it personally because everyone is creating their own story, right? And they don't realize that when they speak out their story onto other people or they spill, you know, their hurt, they spill their pain on other people, that it has the potential to do damage. But 
only if the person receiving it on the other end allows it. And so I just had that question for you just because in the space like this, where I think the intentions of coming on the show to find love and then being exposed to the world, it can be difficult like to have that follow up, especially because you're not an actor, you're just a regular human being. And now you're exposed to so much. And then you also have your business, you know? And so how does that taint your entrepreneurship endeavors like are your clients reaching out and looking at you different? What was that like? Did you have any experiences my, like that? Actually, my clients laughed because they were like, they didn't even see like all of what you could give. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, this was like the edited version of you in terms of like just me speaking to things. They, uh, no, my clients still rock with me. Now, mentally, it was stressful and I'm not going to sit here and act like everything was peaches and cream throughout the entire airing of the show, right? Because remember, there's a space between filming. So filming ended in August, at the end of August. Airing of the show started October 15th, right? And then by the time they got to the episodes that were, you know, so dramatic and had all the emotions and all the things. That was maybe like episode six. So that was probably like in to November. I mean, into um, like, yeah, end of November, December, right? So during like a four or five week span, I can tell you that mentally every Friday was giving me anxiety. I also didn't want to leave my house because I didn't want anyone to like see me like I was just like what is like this is not who I am and it's a false depiction of everything that I believe in and I just don't want to even be bothered to have to answer to what's going on here um when I finally got past that I decided that I know who I am but then also my voice matters and my purpose in this life matters right and if I don't snap out of this and continue to push my purpose and work in my purpose, then I let everybody that is trying to tear me down win. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I literally just came out of a 30-day real challenge where I was literally posting valuable information about personal training, my business. I did lies all February. And when I say that I doubled my income <laughs> in my business, yeah. So I, one thing that it proved to me was no matter what happens around you, we're used for you. But then also nobody can ever knock my hustle, right? And nobody can ever knock what's God's plan for my life. And yes, OWN has their platform, but God's platform is way bigger. So I had to um, really just give it all to him and just promise myself that no matter what, I was going to do the work. And as I did the work, I was going to help other Black women promote their brands as well. So that's what I've been doing. I literally have been promoting Black brands. And I've also, that's why I agreed to do this with you because I was like, okay, whatever I can do, like I made this promise and I'm going to support people the way that I've been supported throughout this time. So to answer your question, my clients literally laugh at everything that's happening. They don't even want to hear, they like ask me some questions just because they want to know the tea, but then they, they know it's entertainment and they know who I really am, especially my, they know my heart. But then also I've been able to bring on new people into my business that are learning a lot about me, probably didn't even watch, half of them didn't even watch the show, but because of just attraction in my desire to win, <laughs> they, they've seen my business and now they're working with me. Yeah, I think that's a really good um, testament because everyone would probably respond to certain environments differently. 
you know, you can respond to their environment and you can crumble or you can take the bad and, and make good of it. And I think that you are doing that. I, I watched your journey on, I watched it actually 30. I was going to mention that too, that you just ended your 30 day real challenge. And I definitely appreciate all of the information that you shared and just the fact that you just still smiling and still acting unbothered because I think that, you know, in some cases, and this is why I wanted to talk to you, I feel like in some cases, you know, you have to not fake it to make it, but you kind of have to move yourself forward in a way where you're not succumbing to everyone else's lies around you, right? Or else they will start to leash onto you and that could become your reality. So it's really important, you know, for mindset is to really kind of get past that and know who you are. And so that's what I see when I see you. I see that you do know who you are. I see that you are, although we are humans and we, you know, we're going to look at comments, right? We're going to be interested in what people are saying about us, but they're just saying things and it's not a truth. It's lies and it only becomes true truth if you give it more life. And so I just want to thank you for doing that and being an example of that. And that's why I wanted to kind of have this conversation with you. I can have an idea of what I think, but I think, you know, having this conversation kind of solidified, you know, what I thought about you, which was all good, you know, and I say all good because I know, you know, there was hot incidents that happened like between the girls and then with Dante and hitting, but there's still something about a human being accountable for those things that people just weren't attaching to, right? It was like some people can really act like they didn't do anything in the world, keep going on and being blinded, but you didn't do that. You really spoke to it. I'm surprised you even went on to the podcast show with Kojo because the way he was saying who you were. So that said, that spoke a lot of volume to who you were too. Like I can still, you know, speak to you, although you might've been saying all these things about me and I you don't know me. Yeah. So again, I just want to thank you for that. So going into your business, you are establishing your your fitness business is growing. You have these avenues for women to contribute to their health, their well-being. Um, I want to kind of get into some questions about fitness and then we can go ahead and start closing it out. So what are some misconceptions about women and the use of weights? What have you experienced when you are working with your clients and you kind of let them know that they can use weights in order to enhance their fitness journey? Uh, Well, the first thing I do is I always tell them, I give them an analogy of like being an artist, right? Your paint is your food. Your brush is you actually strength training. So if your food is all squished and squashed together, then you're not going to have all the colors to really be able to paint, right? So the food is very important so you can have all the colors to paint with. But then your brush stroke, right, is what creates the painting, is what actually adds to the canvas and places everything where it's supposed to be. And that's strength training. So I can go out and I can do cardio, I can do Zumba, but if I want things to sit right and tight, then I need to do strength training. <laughs> and when I sit, when I kind of paint the picture out for them, uh, no pun intended, I they get it, right? They start to see like, oh yes, I want my butt to sit higher. I want my back to come out more. I want my waist to look tinier. Like I can only do that if I do the brush of the strokes and that's, that's through strength training. So, and then I also just like want to empower women to know that they can do anything that they want to do, you know? And when you live heavy shit, 
and you start throwing around waste. It's like it builds that confidence for you to feel like you can just take on and conquer anything that comes in your way. And that's really what I promote when I first speak to and consult a potential client. It's like, okay, so this is who we're going to be. This is who you are. And this is who you want to become. And in order to become that person, then we're going to have to, we have to move some stuff around and that's going to be some weight. So let's do this. And they're, they're always ready for it. Also, I have a lot of before and after pictures that I show them. So that's a quick and easy <laughs> way to get people on board. <laughs> yeah. So how did you actually get into this field? What was the motivation? Did you have like a weight experience where you were heavier or were you small and you wanted to build? Like what actually got you into the fitness industry? Well, I've always been an athlete. I was a swimmer uh, from the age five until my freshman year of college. I swam competitively, but I was always like this uh, chubby girl, right? Not big, but just like cheeky. And uh, I never had like true definition anywhere. Um, it wasn't until uh, my freshman year where I started lifting that I started seeing like the things that I wanted to see, right? My shoulders to come to look like I actually do work out and my legs to look like I actually do work out to really get that um, articulation and muscles. So I grew in love with personal, with, with strength training. And my senior year of college, I actually started taking on some of my sorority sister's as clients, training for basically free, but I wanted to like just help them get the body type that they wanted. And after I graduated from school, I was supposed to go to physical therapy uh, grad school, but after doing my observation hours, I realized that wasn't going to be the life for me. It was kind of boring. Still love it, but I love the art of physical therapy. I just don't want to be in a space where I have to just be in one room all the time. So um, that's when I started. Pers- that's what I uh, started working at a gym, and they were like, "Oh, you have a degree in exercise science. You become a personal trainer." And yeah, the rest is history. The first two clients I had, they were women who had were newly divorced and. And, uh, they just lost themselves in their marriage. And now they were coming out and they just wanted to be, you know, they wanted to find themselves again. And those journeys um, in particular are ones that will forever, you know, um, be uh, in my heart because I was able to help them both lose 40 pounds. They said they, they had looked the best that they ever looked in a long time. And they just, it built their confidence back up and they were ready to go out and date and really just explore a new life outside of the one that they had known for over 20 years. And that's like been one of the things that has driven me throughout this entire experience. That's actually the reason why I moved into only training women is because I was like, one, I'm a woman, so I know women bodies, but then also helping women regain that confidence and empowering women and strengthening women in in every aspect is priceless to me. Yeah, I love it. So if you had someone who is listening today and they wanted to start training or start working on their body, and we have so many different outlets, you know, there's Google things, you can YouTube things, you can watch people on Instagram, but it seems like there's always contradicting information. There seems like people still can't get it. What would you share? What three points would you share about the journey of building yourself? And this could be in any facet that you would like to, that people can find value in? Well, one, it's all about mindset, right? If you think you can't, or if you think you can, you're right, 
right? So you have to first really work on your belief in yourself because once you work on your belief in yourself and you commit to the process, then you're going to always show up for yourself, right? You're going to always, you're going to hold yourself accountable in that space and you won't need anyone outside of you to motivate you or to inspire you to move towards your goals. So that's the first thing first. Second thing, second, listen, that people try to make lifting hard, but it's not really hard. It's literally centered around six major lifts. You have your squat, you have your chest press, you have your pull-up, you have your deadlift, and then what's the last one? But you have those six moves, and as long as you move, you literally can do those six moves every workout and just focus on progress in those six moves and you will be able to build a body that you want to build. And then the third one is show for yourself in the kitchen, just like you show for yourself in the weight room. Like it's, you cannot outwork a bad diet. And the moment that you realize that and the moment that you start falling in love, well, one, paying attention to how food makes you feel and then start falling in love with really uh, feeding your body uh, what it needs to really survive, then you won't see the results that you want to see. So start with those three things and you'll definitely uh, start to see a change. Awesome. So you mentioned, you know, that last point is so important. And I think one of the things that a lot of people have to grab onto, I've heard you speak about like drinking alcohol and you can live your life. How does that have an impact on the kitchen component? Do you feel like once you get to a certain stage in your fitness journey, you can open it up to alcohol or how do you continue to have the body that you have and can dibble into alcohol? Because from my understanding, alcohol does some things with the gut and then your body sees it as toxin yeah. and responds a certain way. Yeah, it dehydrates the muscles. Um, so basically works against everything that you're trying to work towards. But what I would say is, well, if you are binge drinking, then you might want to explore why you're binge drinking. I'm just, I'm just going to put that out there. But then two, it's not about, you have to look at it differently, right? I'm not taking things away to punish myself. I'm limiting things so I can perform better, Right. And if my muscles are dehydrated because I've been drinking often, then I'm not going to be able to perform at the peak of my performance, right? So when you start to change your perspective and uh, shift your paradigm when it comes to those type of things, your walk will become easier. Your fitness journey will become easier. So listen, I definitely indulge in a glass of wine here. Me and I were just drinking some glass, a glass of wine last <laughs> night. Um, but that's um, I designate different time slots for that. So I know that on the weekends, I like to go out with my girls and I've had that pre-planned. So I pre-plan my drinks, right? If I'm really trying to stay strict in my diet and I want to see like a shift in my body fat percentage, then I'm probably limiting myself to like two drinks in one night. And it's probably going to be something like vodka and club soda with the lime. And that's because that's going to be lower in calories, right? Lower in sugar. But then it's also it's a drink that I like. So uh, you just have to kind of do your research. One thing that I know is that when you're really into something, you're really um, adamant about getting to the place that you want to get to, you're going to do anything that you need to do to get there. So you have to kind of become obsessed with it. And with that obsession, you have to take the good with the bad. So sometimes you might have to limit your time out with the friends that you used to drink with all the time and start hanging around, you know, the friends that want to go to the gym more often or the friends that want to explore different recipes, you know, like things like that. And it happens to all of us in every part of our lives. When I want to make more money, I'm hanging around people that make more money. 
<laughs> you know, when I want to dress differently, I'm hanging around people that that have fashion sense. You know, you want to be around the folks that are going to promote whatever it is that you're trying to work towards. So same thing with fitness. Find you a nice little fitness family or some pe- some partners, not to become dependent on them, but to just surround yourself with the good energy that you need to continue your journey. That was really good advice. With that being said, I want to get into how people can connect with you. You've been able to share so much value today, and I'm pretty sure that people will want to work with you. Would you share how people can connect with you and the type of programs you offer or any other services you want to um, share with us? Yeah, so you can follow me on uh, Instagram. I have two pages that cover my fitness stuff. So at Zadia Murphy, Z-A-D-I-A, Murphy, M-U-R-P-H-Y. Uh, my business page is at Get Me Fit Z. So Get Me Fit, F-I-T-Z-E-E. And there at my at Get Me Fit Z page, you'll be able to um, have a direct link. I will from both of my pages to my website, which is GetMeFitZ.com. That's where you can sign up for classes. That's where you can contact me to set up a consult for a one-on-one. I do virtual one-on-one as well as in-person one-on-one training. I also do virtual small group training as well as in-person small group training. And um, in upcoming weeks, I have additional program that will be launching that you can literally purchase and it'll have all of me in one program um, coach you to through a 12-week process of you um, getting to the results that you want to see. So yeah, those are ways that you can work with me. Uh, if you're interested in beauty, then my beauty page is at Zaza on the beat, Z-A-Z-A on the beat. And that's where you can, you know, book me for any makeup sessions. I do online makeup sessions and I also do, well, online teaching sessions and I do um, in-person makeup sessions. I'm interested. What is your most impactful case study? Like what person have you worked with? Like maybe they started at a certain weight and then they got it to six weeks. Do you have any of that at the top of your head of the case study that you would highlight the most? Yeah. So I actually had a um, client. This is actually a guy that I was working with recently. Well, he's probably the person I've had lose the most weight. He lost 80 pounds while we were working together. That was 80 pounds in like a 10-month period that he lost. And yeah, that's probably the most weight that I've had somebody lose on me. Um, Other than that, I've had people get ready for carnival. That was more for aesthetic reasons, right? They wanted abs and all those things. So I have a couple of clients that, uh, you know, started off a little fluffy, but then got into their uh, bikinis, (laughs) their their mask outfits and uh, with ripped abs. So, you know, it's just like whatever, you know, some people are just here for a good time where they just meet up with me, they're training and they just get stronger. They're able to now carry all of their groceries into the house. You know, change themselves aesthetically completely. So I've had a plethora of people, but I feel like in the in that ten month period of, with those eighty pounds lost, um, we had a fight for all eighty of those pounds because it was mental battle as well as just a behavior uh, physical battle. So I feel like that might be my most interesting case study because one, it was a white man I was working with, so we oh, had some okay. <laughs> but then okay. two, yeah, he loved to cook and he loved to feed me, so. <laughs> you got any more that you know like it was, it was just an interesting dynamic and um it taught me a lot 
just as a person, but also as a coach. Yeah. So I could say that that's probably the most interesting case study I have had. Well, Zadia, surely appreciate you taking the time out to come on, to share yourself, to share your story. Again, I really enjoyed uh, watching you just progress through the aftermath of um, Ready to Love. And I would love to support you and share your, your platforms um, in the fitness journey because it contributes to your overall well-being um, for anyone that's on their well-being journey as it relates to, you know, getting healthy in the gut and informing and building yourself to the body that you want. Zadia has showed proof today that she has value uh, when it comes to that department. Um, you can definitely check her out and look at all the other information that she's sharing. Before I let you go, Zadia, would you please share with us your self-tivity statement? And for those who are listening for the first time, a self-tivity statement is very, very close to an affirmation statement, but it has a supporting statement. So I love for people to come on and share a self-tivity statement that is about their life today, about their life overall, about just a goal that they have. Um, and so Zadia, would you share with us your self-tivity statement before we close out? Okay. Um, I live a life of flow and ease because I let go of things that are not for me and I accept the things that are for me. Perfection. Yes. I'm always surprised because I feel like when I describe what the self-tivity statement is, people are like, oh, what? But you did it. That's definitely what it is. Thank you so much again, Zadie. Is there anything else you want to share before we go? No, that's it. Thank you for having me, Danny. This has been great. <laughs> um, yeah, y'all just hit me up. <laughs> if you need anything from me, I'm here for it all. <laughs> All right, everyone, hold on to you as much as you can. Hold on to your health, your being, and your mind. Be mindful.